What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. I am Pat Sheehan here with my co-host, he is not a robot, Dave Martinson. Dave, what's going on, dude? Yo, dog, what's good? Not much, man. I mean, a pretty low-key weekend over here. Pretty much saw Blade Runner and that was it. But how about our man, Hoodie Allen, shouting us out on YouTube? That's right. Leaving us a comment on our review with his official YouTube account, the channel itself. I thought it was pretty cool. Shout out, Hoodie. Yeah, and if you want to see that, go to our YouTube account, subscribe, and you can also comment along with the likes of Hoodie Allen and our other <laughs> loyal fans. Yeah, yes. but it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, I think it's it's nice that he's willing to engage. It's interesting he listens to all the reviews of his album yeah uh, for sure he's definitely checking the feedback i mean i, I knew he's always interactive with his fans i didn't know he would literally search his album on youtube and look for every, what everyone said but you know more power to him uh, we certainly appreciate the look so thanks again definitely subscribe help us out but yeah man blade runner happened we'll get to that in a little bit yeah why don't we start off you went to uh, new york city comic-con this weekend this was your 10th in a row i think i saw on twitter at martin swagger hell yeah dog been going every year since 2008 all right uh, well fill 15. me in like what did what did, what were you going to see what were you most surprised by just give me the whole rundown of the weekend for yourself yeah i mean so i only go one day i've gone friday the past few years i've gone multiple days once or twice yes yeah, so i usually only go one day it's a four-day event mm-hmm. at the javits center down in lower eh, midtown manhattan and yeah i mean i've always gone because i was a huge star wars fan forever right but it's really just a a huge culture thing like you got everything there movies games it's this is a smaller version of san diego comic-con in july the walking dead does their big panel every year there on saturday uh, there's always big stuff i wasn't really going for anything specific i just kind of like going to see everything that's there uh, you know play stuff you can see stuff there's always cool stuff to find on the floor so yeah it's a fun time i met pablo hidalgo who is a really famous star wars fan. his twitter account's really popular because he tweets about star wars canon he's kind of the guy who oversees all of the Star Wars canon, the Lucasfilm story group. So that was really cool. I've, you know, I've read a bunch of his books. So that was kind of cool to actually meet the guy in person and talk to him a little bit. But yeah, they've all blended together at this point, having it been my 10th tenth, tenth in a row. <laughs> <laughs> they all blend together. That, that's pretty funny. It's cool that you saw that guy from Star Wars. What's his name? Richard Hidalgo? Pablo Hidalgo. Cool. One of the cool things I read, and this is kind of a plug for our next week's show, which we'll be talking about Mr. Robot, which premieres on Wednesday was uh, I guess the Mr. Robot event for this actually gave people a showing of the first episode that went to this. And they yeah. put them through like escape room type situation where you had to like pull off things for F Society. They had Michael Christopher there who plays Richard Price on the show and he was treating everything like he's actually the, the character on the show uh, for Evil Corp. Oh, nice. Sounds like it was a pretty awesome event and uh, probably the only part of the weekend I felt really jealous of. You know, I, I, I'm not a big Comic-Con type person, but seems like there's a lot of really cool things. That seems like one event I would have really like lost my mind at. Yeah, honestly, just to cap it off, it, the, Comic-Con is the event that's... It's like an event for everyone. There, there's so much broad appeal. Like, PAX is strictly video games, right? right? But Comic-Con is, you know, there's everything there. And you see it. You see it in the cosplay. There's just fans of... It's, it, it's much more than just nerd shit, you know? It's not just a bunch of fat dudes, like stereotypical nerds. It's anything. But I will say, it is funny, though that Comic-Con and PAX are the only places where the men's room has a line. The women's room does not. <laughs> that actually is really funny. 
By the way, for anyone that's uh, watching us on YouTube, our live stream or the after video, I apologize. I'm strobe light pat today for some reason. Not really, really sure what's going on in this end and haven't been able to figure it out. So just enjoy. This will be a special nostalgia episode. Speaking of special things, uh, movie pass. Let's start there. So we've been talking a lot about the future of movies. We talked about how it was a lackluster box office for movies this summer. Kind of revived with it. And we'll be talking about Blade Runner, which had a disappointing box office. But this movie pass. So this was an app I think people have been aware of. It originally started off as a $15 membership where you could go and see as many movies as you want a month in theaters. And then... It rose all the way up to $50 a month for unlimited movies a month, uh, unlimited movies in theaters. Recently, I think as recent as what, August, it chopped down to $10 a month. That's a pretty sweet deal. You could literally see a new movie every day that's in theaters if you want to. I'm wondering, is this a sustainable business model? Yeah, th- that's what everyone's been talking about when they, they slashed it to $9.95 in August, like you said. And yeah, I mean, it's been it's accepted at all the major chains regal amc and cinemark so that's 91 percent of the cut the, the theaters in the country only like the arc late like some of the smaller chains like designer ones they don't take it but you can basically use it everywhere especially the big ones so it, it, it's very legit in that regard and we have one film a day only 2d but for 9.95 you use it once you've already got a deal because yeah. most big city tickets cost more than that but yeah you're asking the right question is it a sustainable business model and i think this is very much a, like a, a amazon type play where you just try and lose tons of money on the margins for a while and hope it catches on because the play here is not just to get all these subs the subs are important but it's about the data that you get from everyone who's buying all these tickets using movie pass right. movie pass has already sold a 51 percent stake to a analytics firm so they you know they, they know the, the long game here but the the studies that they did in uh, boston and denver when they first unveiled movie pass a few years ago it did increase ticket purchases which wouldn't make sense but it also drove concessions so that makes sense and you know, if you're wondering, oh, well, is, is it good for me to get MoviePass? MoviePass is still paying full price to the theater, so you're not hurting the movie industry at all. Right. The only thing you're potentially hurting is MoviePass if they go bankrupt. But I think it's an Amazon-type play. They're going to lose money for a while and hope they can increase subscribers, get younger people to go back to the movie theaters and uh, you know, get that subscription and then use their data and you know, go from there. So I think it, it's very interesting. And it's honestly a really good deal. I'm actually really considering getting it. What do you think? Well, I'm, I'm definitely considering getting it. I mean, there are those months when, I mean, movies are, the cycle movies is a little bit unpredictable in terms of like, there's going to be the major ones that come out throughout the year that you know you plan on going to see. But like those ones that are on the fringe, like I can't even think this year of one that. Like Logan yeah, Lucky. Logan Lucky, perfect example. Like kind of on the fringe, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go see it. If I had this, I would just be like, eh, well, I mean. It's going to pay for itself after exactly. one anyway. So, like, why wouldn't you if you enjoy movies at all? I mean, this this weekend I went to go see Blade Runner. I took my girlfriend, Julianne. That, you know, tickets plus snacks when we got there cost me around $50. So, the fact that you yeah. could... Yeah. I mean, the ticket alone was twelve fifty. So, you're saving already on one movie. So, my concern with this is that AMC already is threatened to pull out because they're afraid that they're not going to be able to pay them back because they they don't understand how they're going to have the money to kind of stay afloat so if they if the major movie theater starts to pull out and it becomes like you know only small movie theaters it's something that i think would die off pretty quickly so they're going to work something out there you know it's it's funny because amc is the the chain that they partnered with in denver and boston when movie pass was rolling out 
when it costs uh, like they they had a bunch of different packages around like thirty to fifty bucks. So it's kind of funny how the tables have turned. But you know, the younger people that go to the theater less often, I think, are just really conscious of their time. And mm-hmm. I think the impact of Rotten Tomatoes, if I think tickets selling is a little overblown, but still, I mean. Like you said, I mean, if you're on the fence about a movie, the, the reviews are maybe are good, not great. Maybe you're a little disappointed by that. You, you have less riding in it if you can make the time to go when you know it's already paid for. And also, like, the Oscar movies, the non-theater movies where the experience isn't really boosted by being in a big theater, again, you can go because you're not spending any money on doing it. So there's a lot to like about this. And it's funny, they went from 20,000 subscriptions to... 300,000 after the August price drop and they're actually having trouble getting the cards to people. Right. It's a bit of a delay so they're, they've they been kind of backed up logistically but it seems to be working out and of those new subscriptions it's 75% millennial so it seems to all be working out the way you would predict. You would expect someone like Christopher Nolan or Quentin Tarantino or James Cameron to come out in support of this especially as we've been talking about all the new platforms that are trying to take new movies into your home. This yeah. is a, a exact way to combat it if they can find a way to really keep this this model afloat. Yeah, exactly. That's the big key because again, the theater tickets are being paid full price, so the movie industry isn't losing business. It's just whether movie pass through advertisements and analytics can afford to eat this on the people like me and you. If we had this, we would definitely take advantage mm-hmm. of it a lot. Not everyone would, and they would make their money off them. But definitely interesting to keep, keep about. If you're interested in Movie Pass, check it out because it's not a scam. It's very legit. Absolutely. So moving on to something that uh, not not as lighthearted as a, an app for movies. Harvey Weinstein an article came out in the New York Times about him this past weekend, basically chronicling an investigation that they have done that uncovered that there's been numerous numerous sexual harassment cases there's eight lawsuits that have been resolved between weinstein and victims but it seems like there's a pattern here of a pretty serial sex offender sex harass sexual harasser or something along those lines just yeah. inappropriate over three decades yeah. i mean obviously harvey weinstein i think he's very well known as like a major name in showbiz just in general but i mean it's it's a pretty heartbreaking thing to hear just that he's victimized so many people and that this has gone on for so long i mean what are your initial thoughts around this or where do you want to start this conversation piggybacking on what you just said i mean the worst part is you know you hear oh it's a unspoken secret you know uh, not in a what do you call it uh everyone knew about it right especially people at the weinstein company and before me that even miramax his his old company worst kept secret in hollywood was i think the way i heard yeah there it is Right, and his initial comments, I mean, he, he first take a life of absence, he's since been uh, fired, mm-hmm. but his initial comments, he basically was making an, an excuse that isn't an excuse. John Oliver went off about this, about how, oh, this is how it happened in the 60s? That's your excuse, that women used to be demeaned and it was okay, so that's why you did it? Right. That, that's really what you, you just said right now? But on the opposite, he's also going to sue the New York Times, because he says a lot of it is unfounded. So, I mean, there's no good look for this, and I know the cynics will say that you know, Mel Gibson is going to be in a comedy with Will Ferrell this weekend, Daddy's Home 2. He was nominated for Best Director last year for Hacksaw Ridge. He's really come back in the good graces after all the stuff he said about 10 years, you know, about, about 10 years ago. And Woody Allen's got a movie coming out this year with Justin Timberlake. Rowan Polanski's still doing stuff. So the thought that Weinstein would totally go away, it's probably a little naive until we actually see it right. happen. But honestly, like, the fact that he's such a piece of shit, I mean, he was such a piece of shit as a movie executive because he was he would hold artists hostage and, like, not release their movies and change the cute, always have final cut. 
like Tulip Fever, that movie that just came out with Alicia Vikander, yeah. the queen, and uh, Dane DeHaan, like that, that got like four different release dates and they just kept messing with him. That's something he's always been known to do. And now the fact that he also is just a, a terrible person, like of course he is, you know, like I'm not even surprised. You know, it's, it's kind of pulled back to what you were saying about normalizing it almost in a sense and, and like how like Mel Gibson and people who have, and Woody Allen, people who have done these horrible things in the past seem to still be benefiting from their star and have not really felt any effects. It needs to, it needs to change somewhere. And like just because Mel Gibson and Woody Allen had these things that were pretty horrible and I think they were called out at the time it happened or at least and and some part of of history has been called out something really needs to change with this because while like Mel Gibson was literally like just spouting racist and, and, and sexist slurs this is someone who is actually using his position of power to take advantage of yeah. people and and to a point systemically yeah systemically exactly and I actually I had this conversation at, with one of my coworkers the other day about how Joe Mixon for example the this yeah. NFL star everybody Tyree saw Kill. the video of, of him doing yeah Tyree Kill doing something horrible and he still gets drafted and he still gets this contract and for a touchdown this week but but the the piece about it that I think is really positive is if that happened 10 years ago I don't think there would have been any any owner that would come out and said I don't want him on my team. Now yeah. there was at least like I think there was like ten owners who were like I, I don't I will not be drafting him this weekend. Yeah, he's not on our board. Right, which it's not where it should be, but it's progress, and we need to keep pushing these things and holding right. people who can make these these decisions to the, their feet to the fire. Because if we don't, if the public doesn't, then these things aren't going to change. Yeah, and hopefully, I mean, you've seen a lot of women in Hollywood who have chimed in about having similar experience happen to them, and hopefully, the systemic need to just kind of keep quiet about it and just put up with it not necessarily comply with what you're being asked to do but just shove it under the rug for the sake of your own career yeah, hopefully that's starting to go away and more people start speaking out the new hopefully. yorker supposedly has stuff coming out too maybe there's more cases maybe there's other individuals who knows but hopefully it's a sign of the start of something good well kind of move off a difficult subject onto something that i think we both really enjoyed this weekend blade runner 2049 yeah. ryan gosling starring Harrison Ford supporting role slash still being a fucking G. Denny Villeneuve just fucking killing it. This movie, though, only grossed $81 million worldwide after a budget of 150 to 180 has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, I should say. Yep. I mean... A-minus cinema score. People liked it when they saw it. Where did this movie go wrong? Why, why were why did people not want to come see a movie that critics are saying is one of the best movies of the year? I think I got a lot of answers. So, uh, A, Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford aren't really draws on their own uh, anymore. They really haven't been. Ryan Gosling really hasn't been a draw. He's, his best movies financially are when he's with an, a big co-star, which, like Harrison Ford, you think this would work out. But if we look at the audience statistics for this opening weekend, 71% male. That's bad. 63% over the age of 35. So I think this movie had a major marketing problem. Part of that is that it was two hours and 43 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. So you can't, you, you only can have so many showings a day per theater, but also that turns some people off regardless. Mm -hmm. But the, the marketing itself was almost trying to sell it as an action movie, which it clearly isn't if you no. for everyone who watched it. But Blade Runner itself, the original, came out in 1982, and that got demolished at the box office by E.T. in its third week. So... The first one wasn't a huge hit. And this is like, you know, hard sci-fi. Right. And if we look at the box office, Valerian this year, which was just crazy out there, sci-fi did nothing. Mm -hmm. 
and especially over here and even movies like Star Trek Beyond last year underperformed and if there's any negative press about a sci-fi movie it'll bomb like John Carter Jupiter Ascending Mm -hmm. so I think sci-fi it's tough to sell it sell it to people and especially something like this which is a much more thoughtful movie and the marketing doesn't tell you what it's about. You're supposed to just want to see it already. Mm-hmm. And they, they're trying to sell you on people that already saw Blade Runner. So I just think ultimately that this movie was budgeted as a blockbuster, which I'm great because I love the movie. But I don't think you ever could sell it as one. The box office really shows that. And 31, they were thinking it was going to make 45 to 55. They thought this would make Martian money. And it didn't. So that's disappointing. But I'm hoping it has decent legs like Arrival did for Villeneuve uh, last year. You know, I think the marketing thing is like a really, it's a really interesting piece of this because I, I don't, when, I, when you're talking, I'm trying to think what would be a better way to market it. And I don't really know if there was a good way for to like get, draw a large audience. This It almost seems like basically they were like, all right, the first Blade Runner basically became a cult classic through the years. Yeah. People recognized it was a, a really excellent sci-fi movie, but they're giving it the budget like that was going to be enough just to pull in a huge audience and blade runner yeah. really isn't that i mean it's it's yeah. a, a mo- it's a great harrison ford movie it's a great performance from him it's a mm-hmm. awesome great ridley scott movie yeah awesome concept but overall it, it's just the kind of thing where if you didn't have interest in it you probably weren't going to go see it unless there was something like <laughs> like you said like ryan gosling with emma stone or Stuff like that where there's yeah. like something else to pull, especially female viewers. And I mean, not, not to sound sexist with this, I know women enjoy Blade Runner and sci-fi as well, but it's a lot harder of a niche to, to pull women in than, than guys to, I think, a different sort True. of True. And also, it was majority over age 35, so young people, this was just not attractive to. Right. I think ultimately, it was just a tough marketing sell, and that's where we're at. And you look back, Kingsman 2 came out two weeks ago. There's nothing coming out for a few weeks. The window was perfect, right. but... If people aren't interested, they're not interested, and I think that's ultimately what happened. It's also funny because one of the things I noticed myself thinking near like the uh, last third of the movie was it's a really quiet movie. Like, it, it, I mean, Except there's a lot of score. noise. <laughs> well, yeah, the the score is like almost like unsettling. But in terms of dialogue, in terms of things you could put in a trailer to talk about, the, even yeah. the scene to kind of move into spoilers a bit when Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling talk, which you do see in the trailer, so it's not that much of a spoiler. Ryan Gosling barely says anything. <laughs> like, yeah. He, he asks a couple questions. Harrison Ford speaks pretty cryptically, but for the most part, there's there's not much there that you could put in a trailer that would, someone would be like, wow, like, I really need to go see that now. So what did your girlfriend think? Was she familiar with the first one? So a funny story. I've never been to one of those theaters where you reserve your seat, and they have like the big okay. comfy chairs, and that was the kind we had to go to that's closest to us. Good for a long movie. <laughs> yeah, Julianne took a nice 30-minute snooze in the middle, woke up, didn't feel like she missed anything, and she pretty much was like, that was really good, I just feel confused, and it was long. That was, <laughs> and I was like, you know right. what, that's fair. You get in what you take out, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't feel confused leaving the movie, but I felt really intrigued, especially where they left it off, and we'll, I think we'll get to that. So what stood out to you most about this movie? I mean, the score, I think you said, was something that stood out to you, but what else? Oh, yeah. I think Roger Deakins' cinematography is perhaps the star of the film. Yep. Uh, this movie is beautiful to look at. The framing is amazing. The cuts are awesome. And just the juxtaposition of colors, R- Ryan Gosling, when you're in L.A., 2049 LA it's all like blue and there's the gray Mm -hmm. haze and then when you go to Vegas where Ford is 
it's all like bright orange and like just the juxtaposition of the colors and I, I, the, the shots were awesome. And I think Deacons will finally get that Oscar that's eluding him. He's had 13 nominations and no wins. Uh, and he's done a lot of great films. So I think this he might finally get on there. But yeah, if nothing else, the movie is enjoyable to look at. Yeah, the scene that I think stands out most in my mind in terms of like the colors of all the places are different. Like when he goes to Las Vegas and it's just like that bright yellow everywhere is also pretty striking. But final fight scene between Ryan Gosling's character and, and Lu- Love or Louvre or however you uh, say yeah. your name where it's like from a distance all you see is that light from coming from the car and then it zooms back in it's so bright in there and then it zooms back out and all you see is darkness and it's like wow just like striking the the back and forth of it also any scene that we're in jared leto's lair is the light is amazing in that yeah it's interesting i I thought denny would have used bradford young from arrival because the Mm -hmm. shots in that they look a little bit similar to this but they do yeah I had to double check to make sure it wasn't Deacons. I was wondering. Yeah, but still, he, he that seems to be his hallmark is he likes these wide shots that are just kind of like breathtaking, like blow you away. Right, and I think th- we can get into the plot a little bit here. I think the first Blade Runner is really memorable for establishing that cyberpunk world. The, the world of Blade Runner is so memorable, and the plot of the first Blade Runner is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. They hire Harrison Ford to kill four replicants. It's, it's pretty straightforward, right? It's not that's not that's not why it's so great. It's not that's not the point. No. But later, twenty forty nine, while the world is still awesome and especially beautiful to look at here, this movie is about character dynamics, mm-hmm. and that's why I love it so much because I think uh, Ryan Gosling's K is fucking fantastic. Yep, yeah, Ryan Gosling nails K, and it, I found myself thinking, why do I care about K, but I don't care about the characters on Westworld? Because it's pretty much the same yes. sort of thing. And Fuck yes, dude. <laughs> pretty pretty much where I found myself going was they made K's existence and everything he's moving towards about connection. Whereas like it's about oh is he human is he not? And that scene where you know spoiler 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 where they find out where you know, Ryan Gosling is not like the chosen one. He's not the the replicant the, that was yeah the son uh, given birth to yeah the son of Harrison Ford. It's so heartbreaking. Just in like terms of how he like you see his face basically just like fall and that woman's yeah. like, Oh honey, you thought you were? Well yeah. we all did. Like that's what we're all going through. But we're fighting towards something bigger. Like we have something bigger to move towards. That's what I think makes it so much more meaningful than Westworld, which is just basically like, This is fun yeah. and I guess robots could have souls. You know <laughs> Dude, exactly. And I, the more, when I was making my notes today I started thinking about Westworld and I was like, Also first of all, fuck all you Westworld fans that didn't go see this movie watch something smart <laughs> right second if this movie was was like westworld gosling would have been the son mm-hmm. that army of replicants would have actually had the war happen and yeah. gosling would have went and killed jared leto at the end all those predictable yeah. things would have happened but they fucking didn't and that's why this movie's mm-hmm. so awesome because it just it, it takes the, the easy expectations and flips them around and yep this movie's such a marvel because it's a sequel to a 1982 cult classic and it fucking worked only a few years ago prometheus came out and that didn't totally work i still like prometheus but it's not a it's not a gem like this movie right. is you know so i mean kudos to danny new but yes yeah, some people say that the the movie tails off a little bit once harrison ford shows up because again he's really only in the last what third of the movie yeah definitely the last third i think i thought that was one of the things was i thought the pacing at times slowed down i don't think that this was a movie though that was concerned about that this was more about putting you in a world, and it wasn't about driving the plot. It wasn't like Baby Driver, where 
you know, you're trying to just do like boom, 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 let's go. It was more like we're going to immerse you in this. You're going to sit with this character. You're going to watch his journey from being a robot to maybe not being a robot to finding out he's not but still yeah. like making sense of what it means for him to be alive like there's there's a lot in this for, to sit with yeah i mean the arc he knows he's a replicant obviously i think the movie is smart right. for telling you right away that gosling is a replicant i thought that was mm-hmm. really well done there's no secret there but he knows his memories are fake and then he gets led on to think oh maybe they aren't actually fake and then when he actually finds out they are indeed as fake as he thought they were originally that's when you know it's so heartbreaking to watch but devastating and yeah exactly devastating and uh, the supporting cast in this movie too is really strong like robin wright as his like cop boss was great they had great chemistry dave bautista has that one scene in the beginning as the replicant that he goes to kill and i I mean the way he's like you kill your own kind like and and gosling never has really any emote and doesn't emote at all and he doesn't even smile to the very end like he was great and uh, Barkad Abdi from Captain Phillips was there briefly as uh, trying to help him mm-hmm. evade the cops. Like, and then Mackenzie Davis is the is the prostitute where they had that awesome sex scene. Yep. But I think the real well, did you think that was awesome? I thought that was a like, weird ass scene. It is jarring, but the reason I, I I liked it is I think Ana de Armas she plays Joy. She plays his AI girlfriend. I think she's she's, she's War Dogs, dude. Yeah, that's like her, she's a Cuban actress. That's like her first movie that any of us would know about, and I, I think she's the breakout because that role didn't have to be that lively. No, she brought the humanity to the whole movie. Yeah, because if if her and Gosling didn't have good connection, and and she wasn't as charming and as moving as she was as his like wife or partner, or whatever that robot would be, you don't care about Gosling being a robot. You basically say, ah, eh, well, this is like another like like mystery that he's just trying to figure out yeah the movie becomes about his humanity when you see how much he actually connects with this ai right and then right before she dies she says i love you and that's cliche but it's supposed to be cliche because that's what she's supposed to say because she's an ai and she's supposed to tell him what he wants to hear and right. I, I, I thought it was handled really well and so she's the breakout character for me but yeah i think gosling did a lot because Again, he's not he's not emotional in most of this movie, but he really carries it. And the times he does show emotion, it's like you really are you, you really feel like when he when he meets up with what what's her name? The girl who actually is the daughter of Harrison Ford. Yeah, the the uh, the girl making the memories. I forgot her name. Yeah. When you go to meet with her and and she's like this this memory is real and she recognizes it's hers, but he thinks he's talking about it being his and he just like gets up and like hits everything and it's just like so visceral. It's fucking awesome yeah there were there were so many little moments like that that i thought were so good even the standoff between ford and gosling i thought was it was very harrison ford <laughs> just beating the shot people and then oh, we can either keep doing this or we can have a drink <laughs> yeah but i was happy that harrison ford didn't phone it in we know what a phoned in ford no. looks like and sounds like at this point this wasn't that and even though he wasn't yep. in the movie a ton I, I still think he really you know he brought it and, and there's there so many like Little moments. One of it is when he pours the whiskey on the ground for his dog, and then yeah. Gosling asks if the dog is real, and he's like, "Ask him." Yeah. Love that. Also, when him and Leto have the standoff, and he ha- he makes a replicant of Rachel, and she walks up to him, and he goes, "Her eyes are green," and just like walks away. Such like a perfectly delivered yeah. board line, and but the way he like acts like he's like so moved by it, but then he like flips there, and he's nope. Yeah. You almost had me, but I know what's real. You can't replicate that. And I will say that did not even cross my mind when I was watching it, but I saw some uh, comments about it. So Ra- Ra- uh, bringing back Rachel from the original, 
obviously they did some CGI to make her look young, like from the 80s. And mm-hmm. I think maybe it's because she's playing a replicant, but there was no uncanny valley for me. I didn't think it looked weird at all. No, it was way better than how they did um, Rogue One. Carrie Fisher yeah. in Rogue One, yeah. Exactly. I mean, one moment when uh, when Gosling's getting to Vegas, you know, the irradiated desert, abandoned Las Vegas, and he's he just had like he's been thinking about his humanity this whole time, and then he puts his hand in that thing of bumble or honeybees, and then yeah. he pulls it back out. He's, his hand's covered in bees, and you're like, oh yeah, this guy's replicant. I'll forget, uh, man. I just right. I, I love so much about this movie, and even the callback to Gaff, Deckard's partner from the original that. Gosling goes sees him in the old folks' home, and what's he do when he's telling him some in, some you know information? He makes a fucking origami unicorn, which is just a shout out to the original movie. Is, original. is Deckard yeah. a replicant? Is he not? Leto at the end when he's talking to Ford, he's like, "Oh yeah, that's uh that that's how you were designed," or was it love? You know, like again, he just he flips it both, so they don't answer the replicant question, yay or nay. I think they just kind of play at it some more, and I think that's great because that's not really the point. I do think it's cool that they set it up for a female to be leading it moving forward because obviously it's going to become about this revolution led by or using his daughter as like the, I don't know, the spark or the guiding light in a way. Do you think they make a sequel? I do not. They could. They, they could, yeah, they could. But do you think they do it? When I was leaving, I was thinking, like, it's the kind of thing where it's it could almost be, like, Planet of the Apes. I know that they had, like, certain characters and, like, through lines through that. But you could follow around, like, a couple of different people and make, like, even smaller little movies about different pieces of this world. Sure. You can make a movie about the daughter. You can make a movie about the people of the revolution, like, the leader there, the female leader. There's a lot of different through lines. I don't know if they will, though. But I think I think if they had had yeah, a better so. response, it, they would have felt more compelled to do something but i think with the lackluster box office it almost like solidifies that they're just gonna let it be yeah i don't know i I never thought they were trying to make it a franchise this wasn't like alien in my opinion but uh you know shout out uh philip k dick he's the author he passed away before blade runner came out but his work's everywhere now total recall minority report man the high castle blade runner is based off of his book do androids dream of electric sleep creative ass dude his ip is uh, cooking right now yeah. What about our what about our boy Dilly though? Dilly, Dilly. Denny. <laughs> yeah. So funny you asked that. This uh, this was in our uh, my notes to bring up on the pod uh, at some point, but then this movie came out perfect timing. So Denny from uh, the end of September deadline dropped the report that he's in talks with Sony to direct a Cleopatra film based off of the best selling Stacy Schiff biography, and they already have a script. So that seems like that's gonna that's gonna happen, and then. He would work on Cleopatra while he's directing Dune for Legendary. So it sounds like Dune and Cleopatra are the next two movies. Yeah, so again, we haven't had a lot of information, but the Cleopatra report makes it seem like Dune's still happening. And I mean, if anyone knows anything about Dune, it's this legendary sci-fi novel, but it's been impossible to adapt. It's almost like a Watchmen if Watchmen never had a movie. So people have been throwing his name out for a Bond movie, a 007 film, but it sounds like his next six four six years are already taken if there's anybody that i think could do dune justice it would probably be him i mean after seeing how beautiful arrival was and then this movie which was 
you know, more more dystopian than obviously Arrival, and, and even I think more dystopian than Dune would be because it's a much brighter movie. You know, like just in terms of like the setting. Yeah, I think you could really make a beautiful film. Dune's just a hard IP to really do well because it's it's pretty vast, right? If I remember yeah. correctly, yeah, it, it's pretty huge. It seems like it's a hard thing to kind of like visually even conceptualize onto 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 the page, like making a script. So it it sounds like it's gonna be really tough at all turns, but we'll see. I'm just happy that a sequel to a successful movie that it was so influential across all of film and anime and video games everywhere sequel actually worked cleopatra makes me nervous though when people move towards egypt in like that time period that's like either boom or bust they got a script already so it sounds like they've been working on it may try to make it work angelina jolie's name was thrown around for a while so i could definitely see it no she's not egyptian yeah so we'll see how that goes <laughs> so do you have an opinion on which uh blade runner the original film uh, which cut you like there's uh eight different cuts technically but everyone usually sides in the original theatrical cut from 82 or the 2007 uh, final cut that Ridley Scott made as his definitive version. I think I've only seen the original, but I don't have an opinion on this. What about yourself? The final cuts are like a minute longer, so it's not it's not about just adding deleted scenes. What the, the main difference is is that if you watch the original, uh, in between scenes during like scene transitions, Decker Harrison Ford, there's a voiceover that was added. And he's basically explaining what has been happening on the movie. The final cut eliminates all of that, so it's much more uh, atmospheric and kind of treats the viewer, I think, a smarter way. So I like the final mm. cut, but you can also, you got to credit the theatrical cut for being what influenced everyone and which was so popular for so long. But I actually do think if you take the voiceover away, it's kind of a more atmospheric film, but I can see either side. You know, before we close down our discussion on this, we didn't really talk about Leto very much. What were your thoughts around Well, him? he's only in like two scenes, so he doesn't make that big of an impact. Mm. I mean, I, it seems like people have kind of been blah on him, but... I thought for what his character was supposed to do, it was fine. Uh, yeah, he was a little nebulous. He was kind of villain 101. I got grand plans, blah, blah, blah. And then I thought when he told Ford, I have everything I need to get what I need from you off world. I was like, ah, you got this huge ass pyramid office and you have shit off world you need? Come on, dog. But <laughs> you no, know, I, I thought it was fine. You know, I don't dislike Jared Leto like some people do. Again, he's an Academy Award winner and he might be playing Hugh Hefner in a movie oh my god yeah i mean he's in two scenes he's he's really not even worth critiquing if you have quips you know what'd you think i I thought he was i thought he was actually really good in the scenes he was in you know and especially because the last movie i saw him in i I think most people saw him in was suicide squad just seeing him get back to just being his normal weird jared leto instead of just like totally lost it jared leto it was yeah agreed in review, if you've sat through our spoiler discussion of later 2049, but you haven't seen it, go see it. It's it's really great. <laughs> yeah, definitely check it out. We're going to wrap up there, but like we talked about at the beginning of the show, Mr. Robot next week. Dave's going to listen to Pink. I'm going to listen to Wu-Tang Clan. What else have we got coming up? I, I St. Vincent. We've talked about her a little bit. Might take a peek. Uh, that's right. Beck will probably have his album coming out then, too. Yeah, I don't know if he has a date yet. but We'll have some music right. to talk yeah. about. And a lot of TV to catch up on, which we're... Struggling, struggling. <laughs> we don't have a movie that's like a definite discussion until the beginning of November when we get Thor and Murder on the Orient Express. So we got a little bit of a little bit of time for some television. All right, we'll be talking about that all here. Find everything you need to support the pod at NostalgiaPod on Twitter, SoundCloud, the uh, SoundCloud.com/slash/NostalgiaPod. Almost told people to go to the World Wide Web. You don't need to type that in anymore. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, subscribe. 
so you can hang out with Hoodie Allen. Gang, gang. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Follow Dave at Martin Swagger, myself at Shady World Peace. Tell us what you think of the show. Help us make it better. We want to give the people what they want. Read us if you got anything coming up or something happens. We'll talk. We will. Till next time, we love you. Peace out. All my days, I